I'm Deidre. And I'm Chelsea. And we're giving you a million murders. My voice was raspy. It was all get out. It's fine. the end i went ah. i heard the ah. okay uh, he said i heard the ah. i heard the ah, ah. hello everybody we are back <laughs> chelsea keeps fiddling with stuff i was rubbing my belly and we can hear stop fiddling with your belly it's so big <laughs> <laughs> oh god i can't y'all i can't okay so we're back at it again and I've got places to be, people to see. Yeah, things <laughs> to do. Uh, so, my case today is a murder. Unsolved. <laughs> so I knew it. Andy is. Unsolved. <laughs> oh, but there's a... <laughs> but it's so good. Are you ready? It's never good if it's unsolved. Mm, it's a good story. It's fine. Okay. Said no one ever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <clears throat> Hear that too. <laughs> Everything. <laughs> I need to see. Because my headphones were $20. <laughs> I can't hear the little. That's why I said I need this, new headphones. This is what the $10 difference does, I guess. That's why I was saying I need new headphones, because I can't hear everything. Okay, so my story is about Ken Rex McElroy. Hmm. Okay, so here we go. Ken McElroy was born in 1934. He was the 15th out of 16 children. Dang. Yeah. Born to two poor farmers, Tony and Mabel. They lived in the Ozarks of Kansas before moving to Skidmore, Missouri. Ken dropped out of school at 15 and started wreaking havoc on the little town. It's just going in. Listen, you don't even know how ratchet this is about to be. This is so ratchet, okay? So everybody just be prepared. So, <clears throat> he was known for... Cattle rustling, aka stealing cattle, stealing in general, and being a womanizer. Right after he dropped out of school, he fell he fell uh -uh. off a hay wagon. You sound like me. <laughs> Clumsy. <clears throat> right after he dropped out of school, he fell off a hay wagon and hit his head. The injury was so bad he apparently had a steel plate installed during surgery. Some people wonder if this head injury was the start of his aggressive behaviors. Mm. Like, he was already kind of ratchet, yeah. but then he hit his head. Yeah, he real ratchet. Yeah, and we all know that a lot of people who act reckless, like serial killers and stuff, have mm -hmm. a head injury growing up, and things start going downhill from there. So, could be. Now... Throughout the years he lived in Skidmore, it was thought he had stolen tons of things from grain, gas, antiques, alcohol, along with the cattle and the livestock. 
he had charges brought against him over 20 times, but they were all dropped. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. Most of the time, the charges wouldn't hold up in court because the witnesses would be too intimidated to testify against him. He would follow them home and watch them from outside their homes. Mm-mm. Other times, his lawyer, Richard McFadden, would be able to get him out of the charges. So he's got a good lawyer, and he's just stalking people. Okay? Now, by his 40s, Ken had 10 children with several women. His, Which, I mean, you know, whatever, but... Yeah. You just have to know why. There's so many. He has to keep getting more women, because he's ratchet. His first wife, Sharon, was 15 when they met. Sharon! <laughs> yeah! Okay. Ken was at least 20. Oh! So fine. you're 20 years old with a 15-year-old wife. Mm-mm. Well, actually, they were 15 when they met. But when Sharon was 15 when they met, Ken was 20, and he would beat Sharon their entire marriage. Eventually, Sharon and Ken had two children... By the time their second child was born, McElroy found another girlfriend, (laughs) Sally, who was only 13, Mm -mm. while Ken was around 27. That's disgusting. He's rat, like, he's terrible. This is a terrible person. Just know that. All right. So, Ken moved Sally onto the family farm with Sharon and their two children. Sally. Along with his new child? Like... Yeah, his he, new child, the 13-year-old? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He done adopted another child. Okay, so, yeah. He moves Sally in to the farm with his wife and their two children. So, it's like, oh, here's my other girlfriend. His, By the way, she's 13. And she's probably the same age as his kids. Yeah, like, what is... No, they're... I mean, she's like a big sister. She's 13. Yeah. His kids are like... Probably five or six at this point. And then Sally had three children with Ken. At 13? At some point. And then Sharon had two more children with him. So. It's like a sister-wife kind of thing going on. Yes. He's got two kids with Sharon. Then Sally has three kids. And then Sharon turns around and has another two kids. So now he's got seven seven kids with two wives in the house. Ken started to get bored of Sharon, Sally, and his seven children, and eventually found another underage girl, Alice Wood, who is widely referred to as Ken's second wife. Because, like, I guess he never married Sally. So, she's technically the second wife. Um, He moved out. Of his family home to be with Alice. So he just left. Left all the kids. Left the, the two women. Together. Girls. The two <laughs> girls. I call women women. But these are girls. And just went to stay with Alice Wood. So. Uh, but of course this relationship was no different than his previous ones. He verbally and physically abused Alice. And when she gave birth to their son. She moved out to live with her mother and stepfather. In St. Joseph. Which is the next town over from Skidmore. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Ken was so angry that Alice left with his son. 
that he called the home and began threatening Alice and her family. He told them he was going to come pick up his son, and if anyone tried to stop him, he would kill them. Alice's stepfather, in so many words, told Ken to shove it. He was like, I bet you do come up and see what happened. Ken drove to the house and shot him in the leg through his living room window. So he just didn't even know he was there. He just, next thing he know. Pow. Shot in the leg. Shot in the leg. Yeah. Ken was arrested on assault charges, but Alice's stepfather would need to testify. In order to stop him from doing so, Ken carried on his usual scare tactics. He told him he would kill his entire family if he testified, followed him, and sat outside his house for hours. Eventually, after an altercation at a bar during which Ken threatened him with a shotgun, Alice's father dropped the assault charges. Oh, pudding. Yeah. So, (laughs) there's that. Um, even after all that happened between Ken and her family, Alice moved back into the McElroy home with her son. But, I mean, how can she not? What are you going to do? Shoot his ass. But they can't. Can't nobody get Don't to him. Don't shoot a gun? I mean, they do, but they ain't ever going to. You got, this is, you, you have to shoot and can't miss. Like, if you miss... It was just, he Open was just bar. a big boy. Like, bar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just everybody just start popping off. Okay, so, yeah, she moved back into the house. To welcome her back to the house, Ken had found yet another girlfriend, Trina McCloud. So we're on, like, girl number four at this point. We got, was it Karen, Sally, Alice, Trina? I think that's all of them. Oh, I said Karen, it's Sharon. Sharon, Sally, Alice, and now Trina McLeod, who was 12 years old. 12 Oh my gosh, old. he's probably 30 by now. While Ken would have been around 35. Mm-mm. When she was 14, Trina got pregnant. After giving birth, Trina and Alice, exhausted from living in constant fear of Ken. So he was. he had Sharon and Alice together in a house. He had Sharon and Sally together. Sharon and Sally. So now he has Alice and Trina together. Yeah. It's like he likes having two women at the same time. Yeah. So Alice. You're nasty. Alice had a son. So now he's up to eight kids. And then Trina's got. She just had a baby. So he's up to nine children now. With four different women. And he'll just dump them all and move on to somebody else. So it's, And he's 15 of 16, right? Yeah. That's a lot of kids. Yeah, it's a lot of kids. Yeah. So after giving birth, Trina and Alice take their kids and they leave the farm to live with Trina's parents. Ken obviously wasn't going to let that happen. So he went to Trina's parents' home where he viciously beat Trina and Alice, then burned the McLeod house to the ground. With a minute? I mean, they got out, but he took them, but then burned the house down. So then her parents didn't have a home anymore. And he forced Trina, Alice, and the children into his truck and drove them back to the farmhouse. Ratchet. Trina had to go to the hospital for the injuries. The doctor who treated her was horrified and called child services. Trina was admitted into foster care with her son because she's still because a she's child. Tra- yeah. I remember when I typed that, I thought, 
oh, that's weird. And I was like, oh, yeah, but she's 14 years mm-hmm. old with a child. <sighs> so, McElroy was charged with arson, rape, and brandishing a deadly weapon. His lawyer managed to delay the process for so long, however, that Trina, who was still a child and very naive, got bored of foster care and ran away. She went right back to the McElroy farmhouse with her son. Like, it's it's so bad because it's like, when you have nowhere else to go and you've been groomed as a child by this person and then you get out you have nowhere to go and the only place that feels like home is right back into where you were and it's horrible and that's what all of these girls have been doing they'll get free or and i mean this isn't like some guy who's just like terrible and you can get away like he will come find you attack your family burn people's houses down shoot people in the leg like it's not like you can just get away from him in this little small town like you would have to leave and then they have no money they're children where are these children going to go with their children it's insane it's so bad so you know she went back to the farm McElroy got a divorce from Sharon or Alice, depending on which one he was still married to at the time, and married Trina so that she would not be compelled to testify against him. Because, you know, if you're married, you can't testify. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She ended up dropping the charges. While he's terrorizing his family, he's also still terrorizing the town as well. Like, it's not just enough to terrorize these four women and their families and all that. Like, he's still out. On the loose in town, too, acting up. Making rounds. Yeah. So, on July 27th, 1976, Skidmore farmer Romaine Henry said McElroy shot him twice with a shotgun after Henry challenged him for shooting weapons on Henry's property. So, he's like, hey, don't shoot these guns on my property. Yeah. So, he shot him with a shotgun. McElroy was charged with assault with the intent to kill. McElroy denied he was at the scene. As the case dragged on without a court date, Henry said McElroy had parked outside his home at least a hundred times. At the trial, two raccoon hunters testified... Did you know we out in the sticks? Mm-hmm. The raccoon hunters. Two raccoon hunters testified... Hunters. <laughs> uh, they were testified that they were with McElroy the day of the shooting away from Henry's property. Uh, Henry, so just getting people to cover for him because he probably was like, I'll kill you and your family, you know? So, uh, Henry was forced to admit in court under questioning by McElroy's attorney, McFadden, that he had concealed his own petty criminal conviction for more than 30 years ago previous. Why'd I say that? I put that ago in there. (laughs) That he concealed his own petty criminal conviction from more than 30 years previous. McElroy was acquitted. So, I mean, they're just digging dirt. They're finding out stuff on people. And they're Mm -hmm. like, oh, well, you know. So, 
In April of 1980, two of McElroy's daughters were shopping at a local corner store. The older daughter paid for her items, but as they were leaving, the younger daughter grabbed some candy out of a jar and headed for the door. Oh, no. Stealing. She's a liar and a thief. (laughs) A clerk saw what happened and warned the girl that she better return the candy and pay for it. Or pay for it. So, like, oh yeah, you can put it back or pay for it. The older girl snatched the candy from the younger girl, threw it back in the jar, grabbed her little sister's hand, and barged out the door. So the clerk's like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Didn't think anything else about it until Ken and Trina showed up. They were both angry over the incident. They were both angry over the incident. Of course, McElroy had a gun. Trina, who was 23 by this time, so now she's an adult began yelling at the clerk, which drew attention of the store's owners, Bo and Lois Bowenkamp. So this is just some poor kid working at the general store. These kids are trying to steal. He's like, hey, pay for it or put it back. And then they done told their mom and dad, and now they in there cussing them out. And and it's like, sir, sir, let me get the manager. I don't have time for this. Ain't nobody got time for that. You know, as soon as he saw them come in, he was like, oh, God. Uh, Here we go. Like, I would have just let him steal the candy, whatever. Because you know what? Like, it's not right, but I don't even want to fool with him. Heck, he may have thought they were bringing him to apologize, and then that ain't what happened. Yeah. No, he knew. I mean, by then, everybody knows how this guy is. Yeah. I'm sure he was like, Oh, it was it was the McElroy kids. Like great, great McElroy, whatever. So Bo and Lois, you know, Bo and Camp, the owners of the store, hear all this commotion. And the two come out from the back of the store and then they become the subject of the couple's ranting. So they're just pulled right on into it. Lois soon became fed up and told the McElroys to leave the store and never come back. Just go. Just get out of here. This was the beginning of many terrible things that would happen to the Bowen camps. Mm-mm. So they're next on the list. Over a candy bar. Over some candy that your, children, that your children were trying to steal. And now you're mad? But it's because, who knows, those kids were probably like, they tried to say we were stealing. And then they're like, you're going to say my kid was stealing. Yeah. <laughs> There's no telling. Or they may have been like, yeah, I tried to take some candy because I wanted it, and they wouldn't let me have it. And then he's going off about that. Yeah. Like, they're out of their minds, so you don't even know. He he would have been going off either way. He would have condoned the stealing. I mean, how is he not going to? He a thief. He a thief himself. Mm-hmm. He's a thief. <laughs> so, <clears throat> Bowen Camps have it. They have it out for the Bowen Camps now. This is just terrible. So... McElroy would park at the Bowen Camp home and sit outside watching them. You know, he would also get out of his truck and fire a couple of shots in the air from his shotgun. He was terrorizing this poor husband and wife who were in their 70s. Like, these are little old grocery store owners or little general store owners in their 70s. I mean, my dad's in his 70s, and he's not, like, a poor little old yeah. man, but I just... They're, but you're average. When you see the picture of Bobo and Camp, you're like, why? Why wouldn't he just leave them alone? So, one day... Because he's a monster. Yeah. He's just, you're a monster. It's terrible. Um, one day, McElroy went to the corner store and found Bo outside around the back of the store. 
He then proceeded to shoot Bo in the neck. Oh my god. Yeah. Luckily, Bo survived the shooting and Ken was arrested, but he got out on bail. Well, of course. Probably go finish the job. Yeah. He then started harassing the officer who arrested him for months as his trial kept getting delayed further and further into the year. So now he harassing the the cop that shot him. Or um, the cop that the shot cop him. The cop that arrested the him. The cop that arrested him. Mm-hmm. Ken was finally convicted of a crime. He was found guilty of second-degree assault, which I'm like, attempted murder? You shoot somebody yeah, in the neck. Exactly. You didn't shoot him in the foot. Or the leg. Yeah. Or the leg, like the last guy. Mm-hmm. How are you gonna... But you already know. This this little town is not... It's a mess. Like, this just kept happening. He kept getting away with stuff. So, anyway. So... He got second. He was found guilty of second degree assault, but it was only a two year sentence. Two years. <laughs> the, the residents of Skidmore were glad that at least some justice had been served, but he was able to get out on a $40,000 bond while his appeal was pending. Once he was released from jail, Ken was seen in the DNT, the DNG tavern holding a rifle with a bayonet attached to the end. Even though he was convicted, he was as cocky as ever and didn't seem to mind that he was brought to justice. He was even... He wasn't brought to justice. Yeah, like, he knew. He knew what was going to happen. He was seen waving his gun around and threatening to finish off Bo Bowenkamp. Like, leave that man alone! You done went and started fooling with the person who arrested you? Mm -hmm. Just leave him alone. So, you know, some of the residents called the prosecutor, David Baird, and told him what was happening. They got Ken's bail revoked, and a hearing was scheduled for witnesses to testify they heard him threatening to kill Bo. Then, on July 9th, 1981, Richard McFadden, his lawyer, got the hearing delayed for two weeks. Of course he did. Like, they're trying to get this guy in jail, and of course his little dirty lawyer was like, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna delay it. I'm gonna get it delayed, you know. Um, and I think he's still a practicing lawyer, actually. So probably better be careful what I say. Okay, so I checked, and he passed away in 2012. He did, yeah, at 87. So, R.I.P. Yeah, he, you know, he. I'm sure he was a good person, but he's a defense lawyer. Yeah, okay, <clears throat> and. When you when you are that type of lawyer, you have to get his clients, you know, off. Off. <laughs> I said have to get his clients off. I didn't like how that sounded, and then I came back and I still don't know what to say. But you know, you came he, back. <laughs> I came back and after getting uh, them off, you know, <laughs> he, you know, he's got to get that non-guilty verdict. Somebody's got to defend the guilty. But, yeah, so he passed away in 2012. So he got the hearing delayed for two weeks. And this is when, you know, like I said, everybody gets really mad because they're like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. And, you know, it it reached the boiling point, the boiling point. Uh, Close to 
50 of them had come together and made a plan to protect the witness, um, the witnesses who were going to testify against McElroy. Because they knew they were like, he's going to yeah. kill all of us or shoot us or maim us or whatever, yeah. burn our houses down. So now that the hearing had been delayed and McElroy no doubt knew who the witnesses were, the entire town was terrified of what would happen to them. Yeah. So the next morning, people gathered once again, this time at the American Legion Hall located across the street from the D&G Tavern. The plan was to talk about how to protect themselves from Ken for the next two weeks until the hearing. The authorities had let them down, so they had no choice but to take matters into their own hands. While the meeting was going on, Ken and Trina were at the tavern. The group decided they needed to go confront Ken as a group. They're like safety in numbers. <laughs> yeah, but he can still have a gun. I mean, he does. He always has a gun. Around 40 of them stood outside, while another 20 crowded into the small tavern. I've heard of this story. It's clicking now. Mm-hmm. I've made you watch something about this story. What... Yeah, we watched it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So, around 40 of them outside, another 20 crowded into the tavern. So, there's like 60 people at this point. And this is when there was actors, like... Not actors, but, like, the people that were actually there. Mm-hmm. So there's a documentary. I'll go ahead and tell it. There's a documentary about this show called... Well, I won't tell you what it's called. But there's a documentary about this. And they interview people from Skidmore, Missouri. They were country. Yeah, no, it's like... It's, you know, it's Midwest country. Because they're the true Midwest, but they are also country, too, so... So, they surrounded the couple, shouting at Ken that they had had enough and that his days were numbered. So, they're like, who's threatening who now? Boy. (laughs) We about to get you. Boy. So, yeah, so they got up. Ken and Trina got up. Without saying a word, pushing their way through the crowd towards the exit. The group outside the tavern had grown and began yelling as they saw the couple emerge from the tavern. So, just picture this, like... This is this teeny tiny small town. Like the road, when you look in, when you watch the documentary, you can see the road in between the tavern and like the American Legion where like 60 people at least are standing outside. It's barely big enough for two full size vehicles to get through. Like it's such a small little, I mean, it's just like your average town. Yeah. In the downtown, small town area. Like, and there's all these people just standing outside. And they come out. And they're all yelling at them. And they're, because they're just fed up for years. This guy has just been terrorizing this town. Mm -hmm. So they're yelling at them. They come out of the tavern. And Ken and Trina get into their truck. And before driving away, Ken stops to light a cigarette. Just as he was taking his first drag... The sound of two gunshots rang out. The truck's windows were shattered. At least one of the bullets hit McElroy in the back of the head. Blood covered the inside of the vehicle as well as Trina, who was sitting in the passenger seat. McElroy slumped forward onto the steering wheel. Someone opened the passenger door and pulled Trina out of the truck and into another nearby building. She was in shock, but not physically injured. 
No one called an ambulance. McElroy died at the scene, surrounded by the people he had terrorized for decades. <laughs> That's awful. I mean, no ambulance. I mean, it's it's really controversial because it's like yeah. he... This is vigilante justice at its finest. Like, literally, they were like, you know, we're going to have to take things into our own hands. The law isn't protecting us. Mm -hmm. Nobody's protecting us. Here he is. He's saying he's got a gun with a bayonet on the end. He's talking about killing Bobo and Camp. Somebody mm -hmm. was like, I've had it. I'm not letting <laughs> them kill Bobo and Camp. You know, they, they were done. And luckily... Trina survived, yeah. but you know they were just after him. Yeah. They knew she was technically a victim, but she had done turned she sour, a... too. Now, yeah. she has also passed away. I think she had some sort of cancer, and she died. You know, she was very much corrupted by this man who picked her up when she was 12 years old. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just so tragic for so many people all around, but, you know, so... You know, somebody shot him in that crowd and killed him right there in in the middle of town with, you know, tons of witnesses. So, um, so when the state troopers arrived back in town, because there's, and I may talk about this later, I can't remember, but some of the cops left the town that day to go somewhere. Mm -hmm. And when they came back, the streets were empty and quiet except for the rumbling, smoking engine of McElroy's truck. His foot fell onto the accelerator when he was shot, causing the engine to run at full bore. Like, yeah. so, so, and everybody's just, nobody's going to touch him. Nobody's going to do anything. But his, it's literally just, mm -hmm. for who knows how long. <laughs> and I feel like that sound would just stay in your head, too. Yeah. Like, did people go back to the bar? Did everybody just go home? Probably went home. You could just hear it. If you lived close enough, you just hear his engine yeah. roaring. And it's like, well, he hasn't run out of gas yet. Like, oh my God. So, no, yeah, no one bothered to turn it off. Investigators found shell casings from two weapons, a twenty-two caliber Magnum rifle and an 8 millimeter Mauser, a German World War I era long range rifle. So, like, who has that? This is yeah. the 80s. You know, World War One. This is like a... I'm not going to do the math right, but this is like a almost 70-year-old gun at that point. Okay? Um, the guns were never recovered. Trina was the only person to come forward to investigators about who she believed had killed her husband. She had seen a man named Dale Clement, the owner of the D&G Tavern. The co-owner, excuse me, of the D&G Tavern. I guess he's the D... The D. <laughs> the, I don't know who the G is. Um, standing outside across the street with a rifle, at which point she told Ken they needed to get out of here because he was going to get shot. But it was too late. No one else corroborated Trina's story. Dale Clement has since died and he never confessed. It is widely accepted that he fired one of the guns that shot McElroy. Secretly... Skidmore was extremely thankful to him. It is also said that Trina told a county grand jury who murdered her husband. Still, the panel didn't return an indictment 
giving rise to conspiracy theories about a law enforcement cover-up. So Trina's trying to get... Yeah. She's like, I know who killed my husband. And they're like, but it's like, well, they've been about everything. Yeah. So at this point, so you're going to let this guy go free millions of times. And then you're, you know, if they were to truly investigate his murder, then how dare they? Almost. Like getting justice for him. Yeah. But not poor Bo Bowenkamp. who got shot in the neck. Mm -hmm. Thank God he survived. I know. I mean, awful so you know i mean everybody needs justice just because he was terrible he was murdered and so you know there should be justice for him but there should have been justice for all the people he terrorized for years in that town as well and they didn't get it either so the fbi entered the case stiff arming and threatening people is how monty the bowen camp's daughter relates it investigators dug and dug but skidmore residents remained and maintained their silence so like the fbi showing up and they tight-lipped just Mm -hmm. not saying a word to the fbi not just your humdrum police department from a small town the fbi is there and they're like i don't know i don't know who did it so Investigators dug and dug, but Skidmore residents <laughs> maintained their silence. Deja vu. Um, a federal grand jury was convened. Again, there were no indictments, and the McElroy murder case was tossed back to Baird, which is um, that prosecutor who was doing the case. Oh, yeah. Whenever they were about to get him jail time. Yeah. People wondered why they didn't go after whoever Trina says killed Ken. But the former prosecutor said, you don't take cases to trial to see what might happen. We didn't have sufficient evidence to go to trial. Which, I mean, how can you? It's one person's word over another. Um, They never found the guns. There's no evidence linking anybody with the crime except the (laughs) almost hundreds of witnesses that were sitting there and nobody saying anything. So, the media flooded the town after the killing an event that continues to define the people of the small town to people all over the world, sometimes with wildly exaggerated versions of what happened. So, like, a bunch of people started knowing about this because this was, like, the Wild West (laughs) in the 80s. Like, what is going on? And so, you know, people started making up rumors and stuff, and one rumor was that, McElroy rode into town on a horse and was shot and killed. Like, yeah, like what? And, um, you know, some of Baird, the former prosecutor, said Mm -hmm. that some of these things are simply assumed to be factual, but it's not true. And one assumption Skidmore hasn't been able to shed is that McElroy's killing was an act of vigilante justice. Neither Baird or McLean, who crime novel has been praised as an accurate account of McElroy's killing by that. Um, and that's Harry McLean, the one who wrote the crime novel. Mm-hmm. Um, Joyce Monty, the daughter of Bo Bowenkamp, said to an interviewer, we went everywhere we could, but justice would stay delicately out of the way. 
Looking back, the justice system had as much to do with the killing of Ken McElroy as anyone in Skidmore did. So that's how she feels about that. She's like, if y'all would have done something. Yeah. You know. Um, and before I read the rest of this, I'll just tell a little bit more about the documentary. So, you know, they interview all these people and they're like, you know... And it's funny because some people will be like, you know, we heard that it was these, I mean, still in the documentary, <laughs> they're like, there's, we heard it was some people, but those people have passed away already and they will never say a word. Yeah. They will never say a word. Even though these people are dead, who they think it is, they won't tell they you. They won't say the name. They won't say the name. And they say pretty much that it's because there's still a threat yeah to te like it is still not safe to say anything because whoever did this somebody would even if they're dead someone down the line would probably there would be you know consequences for speaking out even yeah. now you know 40 years later it's a long yeah time to keep a secret yes this whole town and so, you know, and then they were saying that some people think that the town is cursed now because, you know, Ken McElroy was murdered in the street and nobody told anything and everybody got away with it because since then there were, there have been some disappearances there and there was um, a couple of murders and, you know, there weren't any murders in the town until after Ken died. Yeah. So... And there was, there was one murder where, um, which trigger warning, but there was a woman who was pregnant and they, some woman was pretending to sell puppies or something and was like, oh yeah, like I'll, you know, bring these puppies. Like, I think that this mom was trying to get a puppy for her child. And then this woman was really after her child. So this is another one of those stories where she takes the baby from the mother and murders the mother, Crazy. you know, in a very horrible, torturous way to die. And then there were, um, I feel like there was another murder as well, but you know, it's just crazy. And people think that it's, that's haunted or well, not haunted, but cursed. Cursed, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's just a little bit. Okay, so now that you know that no one said a thing, the documentary is called No One Said a Thing. So I didn't want to spoil that yeah. and say, like, you know. So, and it's on Sundance. So you have to, like, just go ahead and do the free trial. If you, if you don't have all the channels on, you know, DirecTV or whatever, just go do the, the free... Just go to the free trial and uh, and you can watch it. But anyway, so Harry McLean, the novel, the writer guy, spent several years living in Skidmore, interviewing those who were there that day. From talking to witnesses, he concluded that the killing of McElroy was not planned. McLean told Inside Edition, which, you know, is, a, is an American TV show, mm -hmm. um, gets the the scoop on certain stories that they like to advertise or, you know, they decide they're going to run. Um, 
So he told them whatever had been done might not be morally right, but he needed killing. Not a one of them felt sorry for him. Not one of them felt bad. Somebody was going to get killed. It was either going to be him or somebody somebody else. else. Yeah. Investigators never got anyone to confess or give information about who killed Ken. Unsurprisingly, Skidmore residents were upset by the police presence in town. Why were they diligently carrying out this investigation into the killing of the man who made everyone else's lives miserable for so long? So, you know, everybody's like, why are you even coming and checking in on this? I mean, I feel like I would have been mad too. I've been like, why are y'all here? After all this, yeah. Now y'all show up to investigate this murder, but we've been trying now to get. Now you want to take charge? Yeah. So one man said to an officer examining the scene, "What are you doing here? Why are you doing this? You know what he was like. You know how he oppressed and threatened us. I don't believe you're coming now after we needed your help all this time." Man. And then Trina moved away from Skidmore remarried and had more children yes okay so she did she died of cancer in 2012 so the same year that um oh boy yeah richard mcfadden the lawyer died yep at the age of just 55 ken mcelroy was buried at memorial park cemetery in st joseph missouri he was 47 years old on his tombstones are the words brave fearless and compassionate on the McElroy? Yes. So. Whatever helps him sleep at night. That is the story of Ken Rex McElroy in Skidmore, Missouri. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Terrorizing people for years. So, you all, you know can tell us what you think you know do you think it was right that he was gunned down in the street debate 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 yeah (laughs) like what do you guys think about that you know do you think that something had to be done do you think that they should have waited and let the law take care of him you know the way that the law is supposed to even though the law hadn't really you know helped much but i mean when you have a good lawyer i mean you just don't know yeah there's only so much everybody can do but there definitely could have been more done i think personally to you know like can we not just get him in jail apparently not but get charged for attempted murder like when he shot him in the neck yeah bow bowing camp bless oh, his heart. Right. so yes and if you have any you know so you can email us at a million murders at gmail.com with you know how you feel questions comments concerns and you can like us on instagram at a million murders check out the photos the victims the murderers their family and you can like us on Facebook or Facebook page. You can go on there and start conversations. Mm-hmm. If you have questions or if you want to do a debate on there about a case after it comes out, what have you. 
Yes, 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 yes. So, we want to thank you guys so much for tuning in. And we hope you come back for a million more. Bye. Goodbye.